the screen behind me. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3 will be one of our verses. And then a Proverbs 31, verses 27 through 28 will be our other verses that we'll read this morning. But as always, if you do not have a Bible, they will be up on the screen behind me. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Proverbs 31, 27 through 28 says, and this is in reference to mothers, she looks well to the ways of her household and she does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. May God bless the reading of the scripture of your life this morning. Please be seated. Well, as always, I want to welcome you into White Oak today. Uh, if you're new or visiting, um, I just want to say thank you so much for gathering with us, especially if you're a, a mom this morning. Uh, Mother's Day is a very special day in the life of our church and many churches, and so we are so glad that you were here. Um, I've entitled the sermon this morning simply Motherhood, Honor, and Encouragement because um, I want to do two things from Scripture this morning. I want to give a biblical honoring of mothers. Uh, but I also want to offer some biblical encouragement to our mothers because, as they say, momming ain't easy. And I know that's the truth. I don't know personally, but I'm, I'm watching it in my wife. And I grew up with a great mom, and I saw all the junk she had to put up with. And so um, I just want you to know that we are very honored to honor you this morning. And yet, as we uh, begin today, um, I do want to start very clearly by, by recognizing that Mother's Day is hard for many, many people. And I grew up, I had a I had a great mom, and uh, I would come to church here, and I, I just remember Mother's Day was a very happy day when you'd honor moms, and everybody's happy, and mom gets to see the kids, and she gets a little more attention than normal, and she deserves it, and I remember growing up in the church thinking Mother's Day is like perfect for everybody, right? And yet, um, I learned personally about three years ago that for some people, Mother's Day is a very difficult day. Um, I remember we lost Halsey's mom um, kind of out of nowhere three years ago. She was 48. She passed away in her sleep, and uh, she had had some medical issues, but it was completely out of nowhere when we lost her. And honestly, I, I just remember that first Mother's Day without her. It was horrible. You know, it just was awful. And so it kind of opened my, my eyes to life for many people. Uh, today, for some, is a very happy occasion. And for some of you, especially for women, maybe for not a mother, uh, we want you to know that you're honored and you're cherished today as well. I just want you to know that part of the church is bearing each other's burdens. And so if today is a good day, we we celebrate with you, and if today is a difficult day, we walk with you. To the woman who was never able to have kids, who wanted kids, we walk with you today. To the woman who is currently struggling to get pregnant and desires pregnancy very badly, we walk with you today. To the woman who has had a miscarriage, we walk with you. To the mom who's lost a child at some point in her life, and this day reminds you of him or her, we walk with you. To the daughter or the son who greatly misses their mom today and wishes they were here, we walk with you. To the daughter or the son who had an abusive mother or a mother who had many personal struggles. And so this day is a very complicated day for you as you're kind of honoring your mom, but it's a complicated situation. Please know that we walk with you. If for any reason today is difficult for you, we honor you and we walk with you. Please do not feel disregarded as we honor our moms today. 
because we do hope to do that. The Bible says the Lord is near and close to those who struggle. And we as a faith family here at White Oak desire to as well. And so Halsey and I are available for you after the service if you'd like for someone to pray for you. But please know that we honor you today. And uh, if you've been with us, we've been in a series entitled A New Normal. And we're kind of looking at how uh, following Jesus changes the normal rhythm of your life and what's common and routine in your life, kind of how we view things very differently as Christians. And when we were planning out the calendar, um, we were originally, we saw Mother's Day was in between the six-week series, and so we were going to take a week off of our new normal series and just talk about Mother's Day, and we're kind of doing that. But as I was preparing this message this, uh, this week, I, I realized that in a new normal, uh, motherhood fits perfectly with the idea of following Jesus gives you a completely radical new normal. And I say that because in an individualistic world, um, in a self-focused world oftentimes where the highest good in our culture is how do I get my best life, right? How do I increase my life and my standing? Mothers are the craziest of rebels. In an individualistic world, mothers are completely others-focused completely um, offering their life to raise another life. I, I don't know if there's any more countercultural image in our world today than the image of motherhood. And so, Mom, as you're here today, I just want to honor you for that service. And I want to let you know that uh, we have what I call a lot of elbow-worthy material today, right? And so if I say something and your kid's not good at it, which is probably most of us, just know, like, you can do this. And especially if you get them in the ribs, it's a really good shot. And so there's going to be plenty elbow-worthy material. And normally I don't say it's okay to hit people in church, but today it's okay. So if I see some elbows flying from mom, that, that's okay, right? Just go ahead. Uh, today's your day, so you can, you can elbow as much as you want. And uh, also I had this uh, college professor, I remember when I was in, uh, I was in college, and he was, it was a theology class, and he was talking to us about like righteous anger which is this idea in the Bible how uh, there are moments where it's, it's a sin to be angry, but there's also moments where the kind of feeling of anger and the emotion of anger is not sinful, right? Especially if it's directed at a just cause of the Lord. So if the Lord wants something and people mistreat that, there's almost a good virtue of this righteous, good kind of anger. And as he was explaining this to us, he goes, so you need to know there is such a thing in life as righteous anger. And he was like, you also need to know that 98% of it is reserved for mothers. And I completely affirm that. I completely agree with that. As they say, if mom ain't happy, no one's happy. And so uh, as we dive in today, mom, I just want you to know that you're honored and you're cherished. Um, but I want to begin today, before I offer some general encouragement to our mothers from the Bible, I want to begin talking to everybody who has a mom. Uh, whether your mom is here with us together today or not. I want to talk to those people. And so if you have a Bible, turn back to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. It's what we read just a little bit ago. I want to begin here talking to those of us who have mothers. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. It'll be up on the screen behind me if you don't have a Bible. This is Paul writing to a, a local church back in his day. And the things that he's writing in this letter were kind of instructions for how the church should operate, how people should live. And so as Paul were, was writing this, this would have been read publicly in the church. And this right here would have been his main instruction to children in the church. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Amen. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. 
that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And simply stated this morning, as we think about Mother's Day, and as those of us who have mothers come to Scripture, what we must first realize is that simply God commands that we honor our mother. In the Old Testament, in the New Testament, the honoring of your mother was something that was expected for somebody who was walking in the ways of the Lord. God commands that we honor our mother, and ultimately we honor God as we honor our mother because it is God himself who created motherhood. It is God who called every mother in this room to be a mother and put her on one of the most adventurous, most difficult, but also one of the most fulfilling callings that exists in the world today. If the words of Jesus are true, that they will know that we are his disciples by the way that we love each other, could you argue that there's any better image of the love of Christ than a mother in our world today? You'll notice in verse 2, Paul says, honor your father and mother. He's quoting the Old Testament. He says, this is the first commandment with a promise. And what he was referring to right there was this idea that um, in certain promises in the Old Testament, specifically, a lot of commandments were just like God says, hey, this is how you should live. This is, this is what is right. But there were certain commandments in the scriptures that when God gave them, there was a certain blessing attached to it, almost as if, like, if you follow this command, if you line up your life with this command, then here is the outcome you can expect in your life or in this area of your life. And Paul says this in verse 2, that this is the first commandment with a promise, because in the Ten Commandments, this was the only one of the Ten Commandments that contained a promise with it for those of us who honor our mother. And he says in verse 3, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. The Bible says there is a clear correlation to those of us who honor our mother and those who live a long, healthy, godly, prosperous life, that those things are intricately connected. But what does it mean to honor, right? I don't want to assume that we just know what that means. We say a lot of these words, right? It's kind of a buzzword. It's a common word. And I kind of came up with this working definition from my study of Scripture that honor is to give weight to something, to make it seem valuable as it is, or to draw out and display a present goodness. And so to honor something or somebody is to say, there is a goodness of the Lord in this that I'm looking at, and I want to draw this out and display it before you. And the Bible also gives us very practical ways in which we do honor our mother. In Proverbs 31, 27 through 28, which we read earlier, it says, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. It says her children rise up and call her blessed. And so one of the ways that we honor our mother specifically today is just to say, mom, you're awesome. I love you. Mom, I, I see all that you've done for me. You will be amazed at what those simple words would do for your mom. And, and, and someone also told me this once, and it, it's kind of changed my life. They said, the people that you love, the people that you honor, the people that you respect, the people that you look up to, never assume that they know that you feel that way. Never assume. And so I think oftentimes maybe we, we assume mom already knows we love her and so we don't say it as much or we assume that she knows how thankful we are for this specific thing and this specific thing and this specific thing and this specific thing. And yet what I think the scriptures call us to do is, is to rise up literally and to call her blessed. A proactive verbal honoring of our mothers is important today and every day.
And the second way that we honor our mothers, and mom, you're going to like this one, right? Um, I, I have a newborn baby, and so we're not quite to this point yet because she's one and doesn't understand things. I think she can understand no. My wife disagrees. We kind of are, are working through that whole thing, right? Uh, when do you start disciplining and all that kind of stuff? Uh, but in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. And so the scriptures clearly tie the idea of honoring your mom to just doing what she says, right? Of being obedient. Especially the ways in which she encourages you in the Lord and to align your life with what God would want for you and what God calls of you. That one of the ways we honor mom is to obey her. Nobody will love you like your mom. Even as a father, I can say that there um, fathers do love their children, but there is something very special about the love of a mother. There's something very, very different about it. And so we obey our mother. And that's mom where you do the elbow right there. Elbow time, right? So obey your mother. I feel bad, especially for the teenagers in the room. I know it's probably like you're in one of those seasons, you know. I feel bad for you guys for this whole sermon. So uh, the third thing is this. Proverbs 10.1 gives us the third way, I think, that we honor our mother. And if you're a child this morning, whether you're young or old, I, whether, even if your mom is no longer living and with us, I want all of us to hear this today because I think this is important. And we, we often overlook this in our individualistic world. Proverbs 10.1 says something. I think it's a very interesting verse, and I want to see if maybe you see why it's interesting. Proverbs 10.1 says, A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. I read that this week, actually just in my personal time of reading scripture. I wasn't even working on it for this sermon, and I came across that. And I thought it was interesting how on the first part it refers to a father, and on the second part, it refers to a mother. And at first, I'm like, well, maybe it's just kind of they wanted to fit, you know, both parents in there. But then I begin to think, well, maybe is there a reason why the author of this proverb writes it this way? And I think you could maybe even argue, at least in my personal experience in the world, that when a child does well, when a child is walking in the ways of the Lord, when a child is walking uh, appropriately in life, that, that if we're honest, a father has a special kind of honor and pride in that, right? That, that maybe even a mom doesn't have. Like fathers have this kind of, we're quick to like honor and like, that's my boy, that's my girl, you know, look at that. You know, even for the smallest things, you know, fathers take a lot of pride in their kids. And yet having been a pastor for, for three years, I can attest with complete certainty, at least in my heart, that when a kid struggles, when a kid goes astray, when a kid lives, as the scriptures say, in a foolish manner, that it is a deeper sorrow oftentimes to a mother than it is a father. Because a mother has a special love for her children. I think as, as fathers, maybe we're easier to, quicker to cut bait and say, well, they're going to get what, you know, if they do stuff, you know, they're going to get what they get. You know, it's their life. They're going to make their choices. I think that dads earlier on in life come to the realization that kids are going to live their own life and be different. And yet for mothers, I don't know if that ever really quite goes away. And so one of the main ways that we honor our mom today and every day is to live a life that she would be proud of and to live a godly life in which she can look at us and say, uh, or where we, we minimize her worry in the things that we do in our life. And so God commands that we honor our mother, and this is why Mother's Day is a good thing. It is good for us, it is healthy for us, and she is worthy of it. And yet now I want to transition to offering some biblical encouragement to the moms who are there. As Paul writes to his friend in Philemon 1.7, he says, For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, 
because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. That's one of my wife's favorite verses, and she always points it out to me. And that's my hope this morning with what I'm about to tell you, is I hope if you're a mother, um, whether things are going well or you're tired in the season of motherhood, if you're busy, if you're exhausted, if you're worried constantly, I hope that the words that I offer you from Scripture will be a refreshment to your heart and a refreshment to your soul because the Bible provides much comfort for us, and specifically mothers. And yet I want to do this by primarily responding to what I have deemed to see the two main things that I just see moms struggling with over and over again, right? And I'm sure, moms, you can attest to me if this is true or not. I was thinking about what are the main things that moms struggle with, just beyond the, the mere duty and responsibility of motherhood. And, and, and as a pastor, I've kind of noticed two things. Number one, exhaustion and busyness and just being tired emotionally, physically, spiritually, you name it, from being a mom. Is that true? Is it tiring sometimes? Yes. Especially if you have young kids in the house in this season, that's a really tiring season. And yet, even when your kids are grown, they leave the house. There's still moments and things about motherhood that kind of wear us out. So that's the first thing I noticed, just like a tiredness and an exhaustion. And the second thing is a worry. Worry regarding their motherhood and worry regarding their kids. Moms worry about their children because they love them so much. I think the Bible speaks to both of these. But First, I want to speak to busyness, and I want to come from a really awesome story in the Gospel of Luke. So if you have a Bible, uh, turn to Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Luke 10, 38 through 42. This is a really, really great story of Jesus with some of his followers. Luke 10, 38 through 42. It says this, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him, being Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care (laughs) that my sister has left me alone to serve? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Get this verse. But one thing is necessary, he says. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. I think the first thing that we want to offer our moms this morning who are tired, who are exhausted, uh, maybe even your journey of motherhood has left you with some battle scars over the years. Um, Even if things go smoothly, it is a ton of work being a mother But I think what the good news of Jesus, what the gospel offers mothers is rest without the fear of falling short. And I think we see that in this passage. And even if you're not a mother this morning, this passage right here is gold for your life. This is a story of of two women who are sisters and followers and friends of Jesus, and they have him over, and they're taking care of him, and and, and they know that this man is special, right? They're coming to know that he is the Son of God, and they're honoring him, and they're serving him. And Martha takes the approach of, like, you're you're the Lord, so I'm going to serve you. I'm going to give you everything you need. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to fill the drinks up. I'm going to give you food. And, and back in that culture, it was different than it is nowadays, where it's like, you know, when we have people over, uh, we, we clean up the house before they come, right? So it looks a lot cleaner than it ever is in real life, right? And then people come over, and as people come over, it's kind of okay that things be messy. And it's kind of okay the house gets gradually messier. And it's okay that there's dishes in the sink, right? Because we just assume we've cleaned it, 
we're going to have friends over, we're going to mess it up, and then we're going to, uh, we're going to leave, and then we'll clean it up. And yet in that culture, oftentimes, uh, what they point out is that part of hosting was making sure that your home remained clean the entire time. And so if you were hosting, quite often, uh, when people were coming over, the, the woman or the wife or the mother would often spend the entire time cleaning as their guests would destroy the house, and as things got messy, and as the table got messy, she was constantly cleaning and constantly serving, and there's like this perfection desired amongst the house, and yet the Lord of Lords comes in. The one who, if anyone deserves a clean house, wouldn't it be Jesus, right? Doesn't Jesus deserve teenagers that you make your bed? Like if Jesus was coming to your room, would that make you clean it up for once? You know, I was the kid with the messy room. I had the worst messy. I'm like, I'm like clean guy now, but back then it was awful. You know, it was mold and you know, the whole thing, you know. And yet Jesus comes in the Lord of Lords and how ironic that he literally is letting Martha know who's worried and stressed out and trying to make everything perfect. He says, Mary has chosen the good portion. Someone who just sits at the feet of Jesus while they recline at table. Jesus says that moms can relax. Jesus says that moms can enjoy things. You don't have to keep your kids perfectly healthy, though you want to keep them healthy. You don't have to keep the house perfectly clean, though you want to keep it clean. If you're a working mother, right, you you don't have to uh, do everything perfect. Work-life balance is never going to be perfect, right? There's grace in the moments that we fall. And so what this story shows us is that moms can rest in the gospel of Jesus without the fear of everything falling apart because Christ is with you and Christ wants you to know that one thing is necessary and that is living unto him. You see, church, the gospel is good news for bad people. Amen? The gospel is good news about what God has done for us. The gospel is not about what we do for God. The gospel is not about, the the good news is not about how good we become and impress God and then he's pleased with us and justifies us now and forever. That wouldn't be good news because we can't do that, right? Because we all have failure and sin and shortcomings in our lives, and yet I believe moms oftentimes take this even deeper than other people. We have a phrase here at at White Oak, we say gospel wonder, and it's this idea that we want people to be so amazed by the love of Jesus and the love on the cross that even for a mom, Jesus on the cross is the finished work for any way in which you may fail or fall short in your life, that Christ is your sufficiency. Mothers can rest in this hope. I think what wears moms out is just a perfectionism, which perfectionism is just the, something that comes out of legalism, this idea that a mom is defined by how clean her house is, by how good her work-life balance is, by um, how healthy her kids are, that a mom is defined by these things. And yet Jesus stands in the places where moms fall short. And so be courage, encouraged in this. There is no perfect mother. There is only a perfect Savior. And moms rest in this every single day of their lives. I think mothers may be the most susceptible to works-based thinking, which is what I think we see in Martha here. If I do more, God, then you'll be pleased. Shouldn't I do more? Shouldn't I serve more? Shouldn't I give more? Shouldn't I do more, 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 more? And yet Jesus says there is moments to rest and to enjoy. You see, Satan wants to drive mothers to perfectionism. Because then Satan can show mothers how insufficient they are. And yet Jesus wants mothers to look to him to see how sufficient he is for them. This is the gospel. May we not forget in this passage that Jesus was okay with Mary just sitting there. 
We're all so busy. How often do we take time just to sit there? And mom, I would tell you that you cannot lose a sufficiency which you were never the basis of in the first place. If you live your life based upon the finished work of Christ on the cross and in his resurrection, you can never lose that, right? Because you did not create it. And so take heart and take courage in that. And so the gospel offers moms the amazing ability to rest without the fear of everything crashing down. And yet I think another common thing that moms face, I think all of us face this, but there's just this general sense of worry in the life of a mother. It's interesting that the first thing that moms struggle with, they struggle with because of the things they can control, right? So moms struggle with working a lot and doing too much, right? Because there are things they can control. And ironically, the second issue is the complete opposite, where moms worry about the things that they cannot control. And I want to encourage you with a, a proverb here real quick, Proverbs 16.9. If you don't have a Bible to be on the screen, I'm going to read it real quick. It says, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. This is important for moms. This is important for moms to teach their children. And what I want to encourage you with, mom, today as you are here, no matter where your kids are at, because I've come to find, especially when your kids grow up, sometimes you worry even more in those seasons, right? Because they're kind of on their own in a sense. But I want you to know that the Bible says that you are not alone in the guidance of your child. There is another, and another being capital A for God. Moms face a lot of worry over their kids, and, and I think when they're really little, and I've kind of shared this in my own story, um, I didn't grow up around kids, so I thought that when kids were born, they crawled, like immediately. Um, I didn't know that, that they just like sit around like a, just like a little thing on the bed, right? And um, they just kind of hang out, they can't move, they, they can't even roll over, they, they can't do anything, they can't feed themselves. And uh, so it was, it's a lot of work the first six months. I didn't realize that, but it's a ton of work, even for the dad. And I did like probably like 5% of all the stuff, you know. Um, but, but it's funny, I, I, I saw as a young dad how, um, and it's interesting, when parenting begins, I think there's a sense of how I can see how parents kind of develop this idea that we are sovereign over our children, I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because um, we do everything for them. When your child is first born, like, they don't move from the couch to the bed unless you pick them up and you move them from the couch to the bed. If you don't move them off the couch, they will never move off the couch. If you don't feed them, they will never eat. If you, if you never change the diaper, the diaper will never be changed. And even as they grow older, you begin to shape them into what they believe, into what they think. And there's, as they start off to really understand the words you say and the things you believe, you know, the kids just believe anything you say, right? Like when they're two years old, they believe whatever you say. When they're three, they believe whatever you say. But is it like that when they're 17? Do they believe whatever you say? They believe nothing you say. They believe the opposite of everything. Everything was a lie in my whole life. And everything you taught me, you know. But it's interesting, isn't it? Parenting begins with this sense of like sovereignty that I'm in charge of my kids' lives and I can guide everything. I can, I can perfectly protect the children. And yet may we realize from the very beginning days that we are not sovereign over our kids. But there is one who is. And I think one of the fears is that we 
we try to trust in our own sovereignty to guide our kids where they need to go in life and what they need to do. And even as they get older and they make decisions about who do they marry and where will they live and what will they do for a living and what will their lifestyle be like, that we worry because we're not sovereign and yet there is one who is sovereign. And so we pray to God who is sovereign over our children. Mothers need this encouragement. Moms, you are not alone in your development of your children, the guidance of your children. There is another who is more powerful than you could ever be, who loves your child, believe it or not, more than you ever could, who is over them and fighting for them. And our main objective as a parent is to get them to the one who is sovereign and the one who does love them and the one who did die for them. I will never forget the day that I learned this. I, I learned this specific thing on the third day of my daughter's life. We, um, we had just had Molly, and um, just in complete honesty, that everything went really smooth, and we're in the room, and they, they told me they, they, they charge you kind of by the day, you know, in the hospital. And so I'm like, well, we're good, you know, and the baby seems healthy, and everything's well. And they're like, yeah, it's as healthy as can be, you know. I didn't realize the head thing was a thing, like how their heads are like a cone-shaped when they're born. So I thought I had like a cone-head daughter, you know, but um, that's normal. Once again, I knew nothing, you know. So I'm like, is everything okay, you know? So she's really smart. That's what it is. She's got a big brain, you know. But, uh, but, but they said, no, it's normal, and that was the only thing I noticed. They're like, yeah, everything's good, so, I mean, you guys can stay another day, or you can just kind of go home. I mean, obviously, you are kind of charged by the day, so we headed home, and we thought everything was perfect. And we're like, man, like, not only did we have a baby and everything was smooth, like, we got on a day early. It's perfect, you know? And it was a great day, and people were coming over to the house and seeing the baby, and um, about day two of our life, this, this problem began to emerge. Um, and I don't know if you've shared this a ton, but um, she just wasn't eating very much. And yet the problem was we just didn't know. I mean, they, they gave us some classes. We knew a few things. But, I mean, you just you don't know what you don't know, right? And so we're taking care of this baby, keeping it alive, and she's not eating. And we're thinking, well, you know, she'll wake up when she wants to eat. And if she wakes up and cries, we'll feed her. And, and that's kind of our thing, you know. And we were kind of waking her up, but then she wouldn't want to wake up. And so it was just all this stuff. And it got to the point where even on probably day three, um, we were, uh, we didn't know much about kids, but we knew something was off. She was extremely lethargic and she wasn't really waking up very much. And I think in that day, she only had three wet diapers, which to me, I'm like, three sounds good, you know. Um, But supposedly a baby should have like around eight wet diapers a day, which once again, who would know? Thank you, Google, uh, for that. But we Googled that. We're YouTube and videos, you know, it's like millennial parenting to the max, you know. And, uh, and so we look it up, and it gets to the point where we call uh, the doctor. We didn't get her. And so we got so concerned, third day of her life, at 1130 at night, that we're like, we've got to go to the ER. So we, we're thinking we're just being the freaking out kind of parents, the new parents who don't know anything. Um, we're hoping we're going to show up, and they're just going to tell us, you know, you guys are just like young parents. This is so cute. Just chill out. She'll be okay. You know, everything's fine. Um, so we're rushing to the hospital, 1130 at night, pull into the medical center, um, drove all the way down there, uh, walk into the ER with this massive line with a three-day-old baby. Halsey's carrying her, and uh, it really began to scare us because they were, like, uh, like rushing us to the back, you know, and they, they seemed very concerned, and they finally got her in the room, and we're just waiting for them to say, no, look, she's totally fine. This is just part of the process, you know. Go back. You'll be fine. And yet we can see the look on the doctor's faces, and there's like this, they look even more concerned than, than we are. And so then we begin to get more concerned and more concerned. And they're hooking her up on all these different uh, things, and they're, they're drawing different samples from her. And she's still really lethargic, and the doctors are looking kind of concerned. Now there's like four people in, in the room with us. And this was the day, there's a picture up here of it, of, of her in the NICU. Uh, this was the day, and that's Halsey right there. 
This was the day when I learned that I did not have sovereignty or control over my child. By God's grace, he showed me early on that I don't have control. Like there was nothing in this moment that I could do. And she got so dehydrated, they thought she might have gotten a certain sickness. So they had to put her in the NICU and monitor her for 48 hours. And so for 48 hours after day three, so days four and five, we were just kind of waiting and uncertain as to if something that we had done had messed everything up and she was sick and had some kind of disease because of our failure. And yet by God's grace, she was okay. They uh, recuperated her. She was, uh, they, they got her hydrated and everything was good. And yet I just remember going home on day five of her life, just thinking to myself, man, like it, it's, it can be so fragile. And yet in that, what, what God began to, to teach me was he began to redirect me back to this reality that you, you need me in your life. And you need me over your daughter. And, and there are seasons of life where we feel like we can go without God, right? And we, we got it. We don't need God. He's irrelevant to our life. It's not a big deal. It's kind of optional just if you need some hope. But everybody, if we're honest, gets to those moments where it's like we need capital A, another, to walk with us. And so moms, what we need to know and what we need to direct our kids to is that there is another and ultimately they need to know the one who is sovereign. Mother, you were called to love and to guide your child and you have influence over your children, but you do not have all the influence. And so may we take them to the one who does have all the influence. And even if you're here this morning, like, man, I, I cut it out a better job with raising my kids in different ways. Just know it's never too late to start because you will always be your kid's mother. Even if they're grown, you will always have an influence on their life. And yet Jesus tells us what we should do, that when we do worry, when we do fear, this is what Jesus says. It's in Matthew 6, 33 through 34, some very well-known verses of Scripture. In response to anxiety and worry, this is Jesus' response. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You see, a Christian mother is ultimately a Christian before she's a mother. Believe it or not, a mom's Christianity is more important than her motherhood because her Christianity is her support. It is her rock. It is her hope because all along her life, she is hoping in another and guiding her kids to another. And this is also very freeing because it's another reason why you don't have to be perfect, mom, because um, you're, you're the loving one. You're not the perfect one. Jesus is the perfect one. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is their hope. And so ultimately, as it says in Proverbs 16, 9, God is the one who guides our steps, that God gives kids free will, and may we, may we lead them to him. May we pray for our kids in those ways and not always put all of it on ourselves. You see, the, the problem with kids is as they get older, you realize they're different than me. Like that, that's, a, I think, a really hard thing to realize. Like they're different than I am, you know? And I think if, if we don't have an understanding of God's sovereignty over their life, that we will oftentimes mistake their differences in personality and the way they see things in certain ways as disobedience, when in reality, God has made them different than you in many ways. Our kids need to know that there is another. And as I begin to draw to a close, um, I want to offer one final quick encouragement to mothers. And I'm going to read this from Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verses 14 through 16. 
It says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. This is the main verse. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, when I talk to moms um, in the good and the bad times, and specifically in the moments where there's struggles, I think there's a desire in mothers um, that's probably common in, in all of us in general But I think a lot of moms often are just searching for somebody who can understand what it's like. You know, motherhood is such a a unique thing. It's such a unique calling. It's such um, an others-focused calling. And the weight that comes with it and the work sometimes is just so intense. And we kind of wish somebody would, would understand where we're coming from in this. And moms even look to other moms at times and uh, you know, but they, what they come to find is like, wait, your kids are different than mine, and you've got different scenarios than I do, and, and you've got a different lifestyle. Maybe you're a working mom. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom. There's different even realms of like the mom world, and so moms are often looking for someone who understands them to find comfort in and someone ultimately who can encourage them. And my main encouragement to you in all of your life and all of your journey as a mom is to look to Jesus. He is the greatest comfort for a mother. And he is the greatest guider of your motherhood. As a mom, here's the reality. You have a massive, amazing, others-focused calling on your life. Even me as a father, I totally get the vibe that, like, I don't think I'll ever fully understand what it's like to be like that. It's a glorious, it's, it's an amazing calling. It's something that is otherworldly. And because God has called you to such an amazing, high, and wonderful calling, there will be few who will be able to understand what it's like, but there is one who is. And his name is Jesus Christ. For as it says in Hebrews, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. But when you look at the cross, and when you look at Jesus on the cross, what you see is one who knows what it means to give his life for another, that beauty would spring into the world through his act of service. Moms, that's what you need. That's where you find it. Your idiot husband will never fully be able to understand what it's like and what you go through. But Jesus knows fully and deeply and intimately. And so as Jesus told Mary and Martha, there's one thing that is necessary. And that is that in our life and in our motherhood, we rest at the feet of Jesus. Be encouraged, moms. You are loved, you are cherished, and there is one who can guide you in your journey. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for just the opportunity to stand before these people and to honor our moms. God, I thank you that um, you've created such a beautiful image of motherhood. And yet, Lord, we know in this life that great things often come with great cost. And so I pray that today you would just refresh the hearts of the saints. That they would know that for all they do, they are so valued and cherished. 
I pray you would strengthen the moms that are here for the journey that is ahead, whether their kids are grown or whether they have young kids or whether they're going to have kids one of these days. God, prepare them for this calling. Teach them to lean on you in the places where they worry and teach them to find their strength in you because it is abundant in you. And they can do all things through you who strengthens them. God, thank you for our moms. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. I pray all this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.